0: It is a joy to have missionary Matt Kelly with us. Uh, He sat in your seats not too long ago. Uh, Actually, he um, did his internship after uh, he finished most of his courses in 20, and so uh, graduated in 21, so many of you were a classmate with him. And uh, he's heading to India, and we're just thankful he had, he was a wonderful blessing to us while he was here at college. So, Brother Kelly, come, great to have you here. Well, good morning. It is an honor to be here and a blessing. You know, when I sat in your seats not so many years ago, I, in my mind, I never thought I'd be up here one day, um, but God has opened this opportunity, and I'm very thankful for it. Um, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, we'll look at the first chapter there in 1 First Thessalonians. <clears throat> One of my favorite days of the week for chapel was always Monday morning chapel and it's always exciting to hear what God is doing and especially hear what God is doing with friends uh, people you know and and how God is using them and I always enjoyed hearing those testimonies and I enjoyed hearing that this morning. First Thessalonians chapter number one and it's a shorter passage so we will read the whole passage if we will, if we can. for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God was spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come." The church at Thessalonica was started during Paul's second missionary journey, and the Bible records in Acts 17 that as Paul and Silas left Philippi, they went to um, the city of Thessalonica, and there, as Paul was wont to do, he began to go into the synagogues. And, And if you follow Paul's life, Paul definitely had a burden. He never forgot that he was Jewish, and he had a burden to see the Jews come to Christ. But Paul was also, of course, a missionary to the Gentiles as well. And Paul comes into Thessalonica, and the Bible says that there, as he preached and as he taught, that there were some Jews and then also some women who believed. But as was wont, whenever Paul went somewhere, it always seemed like persecution followed him. And it wasn't long before Paul found himself driven out of Thessalonica, and he went on to the next place, and there was this group of believers that were left there in Thessalonica. And Paul, although he tried to go back and visit them and desired, the Bible says, to come and visit, he was not able to do that. And as a matter of fact, Paul says a little bit later in the book that Satan himself hindered him, and he was not able to go back. So he sent a young man by the name of Timothy, and Timothy went back and checked in on the, the believers there at Thessalonica, and they came back, and he came back and gave Paul the report. And this letter that Paul writes back to the church at Thessalonica, Um, it's it's very different than most of the letters that Paul typically writes. If you think about the church at Corinth, when he wrote to them, he was dealing with different issues that they were having, divisions and fornication and such. And when he wrote back to the Galatians, he was dealing with false doctrines. And yet the book of Thessalonians, it seems like Paul wasn't, He didn't really have to correct them for any of their their teachings or really even their beliefs, but I do believe that one of Paul's purposes of writing back to the Thessalonians was to encourage them to wait and to be expectant of Christ's return, to remind them of the imminence of Christ's return. And as we look throughout this book, just real quickly, let me point out at the end of chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. If you look in chapter 2, verse 19, Paul tells us, for what is our hope or joy, a crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? In chapter three, verse thirteen, it says, "To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints." And in chapter four, verse fifteen, the familiar verses we know: "For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the voice of an archangel." With a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And if you look in chapter five, the beginning verses there, we see that Paul reminds him that Christ will come as a thief in the night. And this morning, as, as we look at the testimony of the Thessalonians, the testimony that they had, I want us to, to keep in mind and, and to, to consider that I think it's very important that every believer live with the thought of Christ's intimate return. Christ can return at any moment, and we don't know when that is. And we cannot afford to waste one day. We cannot afford to let one opportunity of witness pass us by. We can't afford to live one day in sin and self because Christ is returning. And we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but Paul wanted the Thessalonians to remember that. And as we look at their testimony here, it's an amazing testimony, because sometimes we think that when somebody gets saved, oh, it'll take them a long time for them to begin following Christ. And yet here we see example of that that did not happen. As a matter of fact, these Thessalonians, they were faithful in studying out the word of God, the, the, what they had then, and we'll see in a minute how they applied that and then they were faithful in their witness. And from the church at Thessalonica, the Bible says that the word of the Lord sounded forth. It was heralded not only to the local region, not only to the regions beyond, but to as far as their word sounded. And so here, um, as we we consider that Christ is returning, I want us to look at their testimony. The first thing that we see is we see the example of their faith. The example of their faith in verse 7, it says, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. I think that's an incredible, uh, incredible uh, testimony that Paul wrote back and said, hey, you are an example. You are an example. And I wonder sometimes how much of an example we are. Are we an example to, to the people that we come in contact with? When they look at us, do they see, hey, that's somebody who's following on Christ? That's somebody who's obeying Christ. That's somebody who has a heart to to follow and be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And these uh, people at Thessalonica, that's how they were. And and we see um, some of the things that they did in verse 9. It says how they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And as we consider being an example, and as we consider the the Thessalonians here, I'd like us to see two, two main ways I believe that they were an example, and one thing that they did is they were eager followers. They followed God's word eagerly. We see there in the verse 6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. I can remember when I was, a, I believe it was a, a junior, when I, I don't know how many of you guys know Tong, a young man named Tong. Yes, he, I think he's in the seminary here, and Tong was a good friend of mine, but I can remember him coming in as a freshman, and I was in the lobby. I was going to greet him, and he came in, and at that point, he, he, wasn't, he was still figuring out English and figuring out who, what the college was, what the college was about, and I can remember saying, Tong, what's your testimony, and Tong gave me his testimony, and then I asked Tong, I said, what, what would you like God to do in your life at college, and I can remember to this day, remember, Tong said, said, I want God to make me the best follower that I can be. And I watched as Tong did just that. And, and God is using Tong today, I, I fully believe, because that was his heart. He said, I want to be a follower. And you know, sometimes it's difficult, and we, don't, we, we buck against following authority in our lives, and we buck against following the, the Holy Spirit in our lives, and yet, if we have a heart like the Thessalonians. We just simply say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow because this is where God has me. This is where God wants me. This is where God's going to bless me as long as I'm going to, uh, I choose to follow him. And the Bible says in verse 6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. And These Thessalonians, they didn't have the whole Bible like we have it. But what they had and what they saw Paul exemplify, they said, I want that and I'm going to follow that. I'm going to put away the idols. They turned from, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And they said, anything that was associated with the old life, I don't want a part of that. I'm going a new direction now. And, and it's an amazing testimony for a group of young believers that were left there on their own there in Thessalonica. But not only were they eager followers, they were also, as we see their example, they were ready listeners. They were ready listeners. The verse, end of verse 6, it says, having received the word of the Lord. Having received, they, were, they had hearts that were open and listening to what God had for them. And, and I, I firmly believe that one of the reasons that the Thessalonians were so effective in their outreach, they were so effective in their witness, was because they were willing to follow and they were willing to receive the word and obey God's word. And you know, one of the things I appreciate so much about this Ministry here is the emphasis on outreach, the emphasis on discipleship, the emphasis on prayer and being obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. But never take for granted that that will just happen. You need to make a choice. Just being here doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. All of us must make a choice and say, I'm going to follow, and I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive. But not only do we see the, the example of their faith, we also see, number two, the expression of their faith, the expression of their faith. The Bible says in verse 8, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. That's an amazing statement coming from Paul. Paul said, I don't even need to say anything. Why? Because these believers had gotten a hold of God, and gotten a hold of what God wanted them to do, and they were obeying. They were obeying. They were were heralding the gospel. And we know um, from from the Great Commission that they are supposed to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and the uttermost parts of the world. And we see just that as they, in verse 8, it says, for from you sounded the the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. They, They were a faithful witness in their local communities. And they were a faithful witness in the region beyond. And then they were a faithful witness to take the gospel to the uttermost, to take the gospel to the uttermost. I am very thankful for the vision that was given to me here at BCM. And I would say until I came here, although maybe I I had taught it, I didn't fully believe that the Great Commission could be accomplished in our generation. And I have a lot to, the, to thank for the leadership here, especially Pastor Gilmore and his teaching. And I firmly believe that that's God's plan. That God's plan is that the world will be reached not just in the future, but in our generation. And it's no mistake that God has placed you and me in this, this room in the, this morning and in this missions conference. It's no mistake. God wants each of us to be doing what he has called us to do in the furtherance of his gospel, in the completion of the Great Commission. And, And as we think of missions conference, and we think of the Thessalonians, they expressed their faith. Somebody once said that a Christian must keep the faith, but he cannot keep it to himself. A Christian must keep the faith, but he must not keep it to himself. And that is so true. We need to be telling others every day. And it's easy in a college setting, to do that, we're required to do that, right? Every Friday we fill in the the form and we we check that box. But I appreciate the testimony of the young man there that he said he, he wasn't here and he still had opportunities. We should always be looking for opportunities to share our faith. Never take for granted that we will live and have tomorrow because Christ is returning and we don't know when. So as we look at these Thessalonians, we see the example of their faith. We also see the testimony of the expression of their faith. But number three, and and perhaps most importantly, we see the expectation of their faith. The expectation of their faith. The Bible says in verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You know, the Christians here had an expectation that Christ was returning. They, they knew that when, when, Jesus, when the angel said, this same Jesus who has taken up to you into heaven shall come again in like manner. They, they believed that. They said, you know what? That's going to happen. And I don't know when that will be. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. But we are going to be faithful today, because we don't know if we have tomorrow. And as, as these new believers, as they began to obey, and they began to follow, and they began to exemplify, God began to use them in amazing ways. And God began, as they began to, to think in the light of eternity, God used them to spread the gospel, not only in their region, but in the regions beyond. And, and as we think about um, the, the Thessalonians, you know, I think that one of the greatest motivations for us to live holy today is that Christ is returning. One of the greatest motivations for us to be witnessing today is that Christ is returning. It should motivate us to live a life that is holy, that is pure. And we're reminded in the, in 1 John chapter three, verse three, that every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself, even as Christ is pure. And that should be that should be a motivation for us. And there are, there are different motivations that should encourage us and motivate us to spread the gospel. And one would be just because of the love of Christ constraineth us but one not to be that Christ is returning? And we don't know when that will be. And we don't want to, to miss out on what God, ha- our power is that God has for us in the spreading of the, the Great Commission. And so that was an eager expectation. They were looking forward to it. I, I have heard different people say, not here, but I have heard different people say, I, I, hope, I hope Christ doesn't come back tomorrow because I want to, and they will name one thing they want to do before. And sometimes it's a good thing. But most of the time, it's one of those things that, hey, if if Christ actually returned, that would be trivial compared to being with with Christ. And I'm not necessarily saying that that is wrong, but I do know this, is that it should motivate us and we should be eagerly expecting Christ to return, excited about the possibility it could be today but also motivated about the possibility it could be today. And, and these, as these believers, as they were there in Thessalonica, they were motivated, hey, we need to get busy for the Great Commission. And as we're in missions conference and as we are hearing different uh, perspectives, different uh, needs in different places of the world, I hope that in our hearts we are saying, you know, God, what's my part in this? God, what would you have me to do? And I un- understand that right now you're in training and, and you're in college, but you know you can, be, you can still be even now, even today, doing everything that God wants you to do so that when the next step is shown, you're ready to eagerly follow and eagerly o- obey. And these, these believers, they were doing that. And the, the expectation that Christ is going to return and that we do not know when should motivate us. I can remember growing up. I grew up in a large family. I have ten siblings, and I can remember rare occasions when my parents would both be gone, and all of us were left to ourselves at home. And I can remember that during those times, um, we wouldn't always, you know, follow the rules that were uh, the household rules in keeping things clean and and other areas. And I can remember, you know, some things got wild at times. And I'm, I'm not condoning that. But, you know, they, they say that when the, the cats away, the mice play. Um, I'm not calling this my parents' cats, so I'm not, <laughs> not calling them name mice. But I, can't, I did know this, though, that we always knew when my parents would return. And you can bet on the fact that when, when that time came, as that clock got closer to that time, things changed. Things changed. And, that house would go over a transformation. Um, it would have made the property brothers jealous, I think. And it, it was a motivating, because my parents knew how to motivate us. They didn't know how to motivate us. But it motivated us to do what we were supposed to be doing. And how much more, how much greater should the return of Christ motivate us right now to do what we're supposed to be doing? We cannot afford to live a day without thought of Christ's return, without the thought of eternity on our mind. We don't know if we have tomorrow. And the Thessalonians, they they were doing a lot of things right, and, and Paul praises them in so many ways, but he's reminding them, Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Do not get passive. Do not get in a rut going day to day. Yes, you're being a good example. Yes, you're expressing your face, but don't stop expecting. Don't stop being motivated by the fact that Christ is returning. And and college students, as as we sit here today, I wonder how are we doing? If somebody were to write back, check up on us, and write back, what would our testimony be? Would Would somebody say, hey, they are an example to the believers? Seniors are an example to the incoming freshmen. And vice versa, freshmen can be an example to seniors. You know, the Bible says in, in 1 Timothy 4, chapter 12, I believe, that no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation in charity and spirit and in faith and impurity. Are we being an example? Are, are we expressing our faith? Are we being a witness? But most importantly, and perhaps all of those other two fall under the main thing, are we expecting Christ to return? And are we living with eternity in mind? David Brainerd, a famous missionary who went to the American Indians. And and as he was laboring among the different tribes, somebody came to him. And they, they said, and these are their words, not mine, but they said, why would you waste your life going into those heathen places? Why would you waste your life? And David Brainerd said, I love and strive to live my life on the brink of eternity. I try to live my life on the brink of eternity. And oh, that we would have that same mindset, that same desire that Christ is coming. So because of that, we must be faithful. We must be be today. We cannot be lazy today. We cannot live for self today. We cannot pass up opportunities to minister today because Christ is returning. And his coming is going to be soon. And and I'm excited for that. And I I know that many of you are as well. But let us be sure that when he comes, he doesn't catch us, as Paul reminds them in chapter 5, as a thief in the night when they were least expecting it. Let us be expecting Christ to return. And because of that, let it motivate us to live pure lives now that we would live right. Let it also motivate us to tell others about Jesus Christ. And as we do that, and as we do that, we will see the word of the Lord sound forth all across the world, and represented right here, uh, I don't even know the places that God will send you and the places God wants to use you, but God can only use you as you are faithful to him today. Faithful to follow him. Faithful to receive the word as these Thessalonians were. Faithful to be an example. Faithful to express your faith and to be a witness. And faithful in expecting Christ to return at any minute. and Let that motivate you to do what we should be doing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the fact that your son Jesus Christ is coming back. And we thank you that we can um, be sure of that. And we thank you that we can even be excited about that. But oh God, help us not be caught sleeping. Help us be watching and waiting and expectantly um, looking to that day when you return. And Jesus, help us also to be faithful in your great commission as we win souls, help us to realize it's for your glory and it's to to ultimately um, for you to receive the praise that you deserve and the lamb on the throne receive the reward of his sufferings. Oh, help us be faithful in our witness. Help us as well be faithful in our example. And we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.